A study by an elite European think tank funded by numerous EU member states has admitted that the West is politically out of touch with the vast majority of the world. As they put it, the West is divided from the rest. This study specifically looked at the proxy war in Ukraine and opinions about Russia, and it shows that the West, or the global North, if you will, is completely on a different page compared to the global South. The West, which only represents around 13% of the global population, has views that are basically the opposite politically of the views of the vast majority of humanity in the global South. I have an article about this over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. I have a link to it in the description below, and it includes all of the sources that I'll be discussing today in this analysis. The report I'm going to be discussing is titled United West Divided from the Rest, Global Public Opinion One Year into Russia's War on Ukraine. It was published on February 22nd by the European Council on Foreign Relations. This is one of the most elite, powerful think tanks in Europe. It is funded by a who's who of Western governments. This is the official website acknowledging that their donors include the French government, the Italian government, the European Parliament, Germany, Belgium, Ireland, Denmark, Finland, Japan, Norway, Spain, Sweden, and the Czech Republic. So it's a bunch of European governments, the European Parliament itself, and also Japan fund this think tank. And this think tank is notorious for its bias it is very anti-China. It is very anti-Russia. It's obviously very pro-Western. So when we go through this study, you should keep in mind that this is from a biased source that is anti-China and anti-Russia. And yet it did this study, and I'll talk about some of the weaknesses of it. It did polls and it commissioned polls for uh, to look at public opinion in the United States, Britain, China, Russia, India, Turkey, formerly known as Turkey, and nine EU member states. And the results speak for themselves. So I'm gonna just gonna go through and look at some of the main points here that show, again, a biased elite European think tank funded by European governments admitting that the West is politically out of touch and that the global South no longer wants to be dominated by the West the global, people of the global south want a multipolar world. That's one of the main points that you get from reading this study. They say that the new polling that they published suggests that the war, the proxy war in Ukraine between NATO and Russia has consolidated the West. European and North American citizens hold many views in common about major global questions. And yet at the same time, while the West has, is now united more than ever before, the global South, especially countries like China and India, but also Turkey, which, you know, is, it's always uh, kind of been the link in between Asia and Europe. It's kind of part of the global South and global North at the same time. People in these countries have completely different views, not only of Ukraine and Russia, but of global politics in general. The study acknowledges that citizens in China, India, and Turkey prefer a quick end to the war, even if Ukraine, Ukraine has to concede territory. 
people in these non-Western countries and in Russia also consider the emergence of a multipolar world order to be more probable than a bipolar arrangement. That is a key point I'm going to keep coming back to. And it shows, once again, that this conflict, the proxy war between NATO and Russia, is not just about Russia. It is about the, the West trying to prevent the creation of a multipolar world. It is about the colonialists in Europe and the imperialists in the United States. Between, the, between them, they have dominated global politics for 500 years in the era of European colonization, in which the global south was colonized and enslaved by the European powers. And then since the end of World War II, the hegemony of the United States, and specifically since the overthrow of the Soviet Union and the unipolar imperialist hegemony of that Washington maintained since the end of the first Cold War in 1990, 1991, that the global south, the vast majority of the global population, want to move to a more democratized, a more democratic international political and economic order in which the people of the global south have say over how global political and economic affairs are governed. And they don't want to simply be governed by the United States and the Western neocolonial powers. So, I mean, again, that's a, a key point to keep in mind while we're going through these results and thinking about why the West and its political opinion is so divided from the rest of the world. It's because the West is still stuck in this neo-colonialist political and economic ideology. Now, this report acknowledges that the consolidation of the West is taking place in an increasingly divided post-Western world. They refer to it as post-Western world. I would say that Western colonialism has finally ended. This is what actual decolonization looks like. The former European colonies got their political independence on paper in the era of decolonization and national liberation struggles in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And yet, as the revolutionary socialist founder of Ghana, Kwame Nkrumah famously said, one of the co-founders of the Non-Aligned Movement, who was overthrown in a CIA-backed coup in 1966, he famously said in his book, Neocolonialism, that political independence is not enough, that many of these leaders in the Global South, because they didn't have economic independence, they never really truly had independence. They never truly were able to decolonize. And what we're seeing now is the completion of that process of decolonization and what they refer to as a post-Western world. Now, this report stresses again that people in many non-Western countries see more likely a fragmentation into a multipolar world. And that the, the, this European think tank acknowledges a, quote, wide gap between the rest and the West and the rest when it comes to their desired outcomes for the war in Ukraine and differing understandings of why the US and Europe support Ukraine. They know that the war in Ukraine, this proxy war, marks both the consolidation of the West and the emergence of the long-heralded post-Western international order. So what they're acknowledging is, this is, this is these are the birth pangs of the new multipolar world. So in this part of the study, they look at the opinions about ending the war, the proxy war in Ukraine. 
They note that people in non-Western countries possess a clear preference for the war to end now, even if it means that Ukraine has to give up territory. And here's the first poll in this very interesting study. And again, we should keep in mind this poll, this, this polling is obviously biased. They refer to the proxy war in Ukraine as Russian territorial aggression. They don't mention NATO continuing to expand east over a dozen times after the Western powers made an agreement in 1990 not to expand NATO one inch east after the reunification of Germany. They don't mention the West uh, refusing to agree to security guarantees with Russia in late 2021. They don't mention the 2014 U.S.-sponsored coup that, that overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected government. They don't mention the Western governments refusing to implement the Minsk Accords they agreed to. So again, this, this study is biased, but let's go through what it says here. It, they asked, which of the following represents your view? The conflict between Russia and Ukraine needs to stop as soon as possible even if it means Ukraine giving control of areas to Russia. And they found that 54% of India, people in India said that, 48% of people in Turkey said that, 44% of people in Russia said that, and 42% of people in China. So a plurality of people who were interviewed in China, Russia, Turkey, and India say that the war needs to end as soon as possible and that means that Ukraine is probably going to have to give up some territory. Now, there is another interesting response, and they say Western dominance of the world needs to be pushed back, even if it means Ukraine losing some territory. Although, again, they, they had biased language here. And we also saw in India, 12 percent, Turkey, 8 percent, Russia, 29 percent, China, 12 percent of people saying they agreed to that. So we see between those two answers, over half of people, a majority of people in India, Turkey, Russia, and China agree that the war needs to end and Ukraine will have to end up giving up territory. And of course, many people in the EU, Britain, and the US disagree with that. Although, honestly, it's not as much of a majority as the West would like you to think. So here we see, an, I see another example where the West is out of touch with the rest of the world. I should point out, by the way, before I continue, that this study is looking at China, Russia, India, Turkey, the US, Britain, and nine members of the European Union. Those are Denmark, Estonia, France, Germany, Italy, Poland, Portugal, Romania, and Spain. However, we should keep in mind here that if you look at the population of all of those European countries combined with Britain and the United States, we're talking about slightly under 1 billion people, a bit over 900 million people. So they, they represent between 12 and 13% of the global population. There are 8 billion people in the world. This is what in Russia is commonly referred to as the golden billion. They are the countries that got rich through colonialism, through basically stealing the wealth of the rest of the world. And we should contrast that with the other countries where people were surveyed for this study, I mean, we're talking about China, the most populous country on earth with 1.4 billion people, India, 
the second most populous country on earth with nearly 1.4 billion people. Also, Russia itself has 142 million people. Turkey has 83 million people. So China, India, Russia, and Turkey combined have 3 billion people. They represent almost 40%, almost two-fifths of the global population compared to the 13% in the West. So we should just keep that in mind here when we look at the results of these polls. Now, here's another very revealing poll that's part of this study. And it shows what people in these countries feel about Russia. And it shows that in the global South, Russia is very popular and seen as an important ally, whereas in the West, Russia is seen as, you know, their mortal enemy. And in India in particular, 79% of people in India see Russia as an ally or a partner. And it's the same in China. 79% see Russia as an ally or partner. That is four out of five people in India and China. Also in Turkey, which is technically a member of NATO, but Turkey is always playing the West and the East against each other. In Turkey, 69%, over two thirds of people, see Russia as an ally or partner. And if you, and if you look at the results more specifically, in India, 51% of Indians see Russia as an ally that shares our interests and values. 29% see Russia as a necessary partner with which we must we, with which we must strategically cooperate. In China, 35% see Russia as an ally. 44% see Russia as a partner. In Turkey, 14% see Russia as an ally and 55% see it as a necessary partner. So it's not necessarily super enthusiastic support, although in India, it is over slightly over half enthusiastic support. But there's a vast majority of people in India, China, and Turkey see Russia as an ally or a partner. And it's the exact opposite, the polar inversion in the US, Britain, and the EU, where a majority of people see Russia as an adversary with which we are in conflict. Now, as someone who has lived for several years in Latin America, this is not at all surprising to me, because in general, in the global south, Russia is politically seen as an ally, because if you look at the way that Russia votes at the United Nations consistently, if you look at Russian diplomacy, its economic relations, Russia is an important ally of the global south. And I have a map here showing the global south and the global north. And technically, Russia is geographically part of the global north. But in, politically, it's not. It's been basically kicked out of the global north. And Russia is an important ally of the global south, which explains a lot of these views in the global south. It also explains why Russia is a member of the BRICS system, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. All the other countries are in the South except for Russia. It also explains why Russia is part of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization with other countries in the global South, in Asia, specifically with India, China, Pakistan, Iran has recently joined. So if you look at Russia's foreign policy, it has been much more integrated with the global South. And that explains why it's so popular At the time of the former Soviet Union, the Soviet Union supported anti-colonial struggles and national liberation struggles, which were basically all led by socialists, by the way. It supported them against the Western imperialists who were colonizing the global south. So once again, it's pretty easy to see why Russia is popular. And still today, I mean, Russia it does not have a socialist government anymore, 
but its diplomacy has been very friendly to the global south. And again, all you have to do is look at UN votes. Consistently, Russia and China vote together with the vast majority of the global south, and the West consistently votes together against the global south at the United Nations. So going back to this study from the European Council on Foreign Relations, again, this is an elite Western government funded think tank, and it admits that this conflict, this proxy war between NATO and Russia is not about democracy versus authoritarianism. It points out that the US government has been portraying it like that, but in the reality, it says, in the view of many people outside their West, their own countries are also democracies and are perhaps even the best democracies. And here we see that the vast majority of people in China see their government as a real democracy. Uh, and, and in fact, this, this study is also, this is another example of where this study is biased. We see in the way that these questions are framed, we see that they're, they're biased in a way that tries to make the West look better. And despite that bias, the studies are very revealing about how divided the global South is in the, compared to the, the global North, compared to the so-called West. A separate study that was done recently by a NATO-backed Western organization called the so-called Alliance of Democracies Foundation, which is founded by Andres Fogres Moussen, the former NATO Secretary General. This is a foundation funded by Western governments. They recently did a study and they found that 83% of people in China say their government is democracy and 91% of people in China say democracy is important to them, which is higher, by the way, than in the United States, where only 49% of people in the US think their government is a democracy, which is, it's not a democracy, and a majority of people in the US can see that. Only a minority of people in the US think their government is a democracy. And only 76% said democracy is important, compared to 91% in China. And this is, again, this is a separate study from a NATO-backed organization admitting this. So here, if we go to the European Council on Foreign Relations study, we see similar results, although again, I would say this, the, the framing of the question was very biased. The question was, which of the following countries comes, comes closest to having a real democracy? So you had to pick one country and say, what is the most democratic country? And 77% of people in China said they consider their country to be the world's most democratic country in the sense of actual democracy, meaning government by the people, a government that serves the interests of the people and not just a small handful of elite capitalist oligarchs and big corporations, which is what the US system is. In India, 57% of people said their own country. So once again, we see a huge divide in between what the West considers democracy, which is a system in which a handful of billionaire capitalist oligarchs control everything, buy up all, all, all the politicians, bribe the politicians in something called lobbying, which is just legal bribery. And then the government imposes neoliberal capitalist policies and privatizes everything. And people get poorer and have less and less access to social services. And that's so-called democracy because every four years they go to the ballot box and can choose between one corrupt millionaire war criminal or another corrupt millionaire war criminal. That's democracy according to the West, right? So anyway, let, let's go on here and let's go to another 
question in this study, which is fascinating. This poll asked, what do you think is the main reason for the United States supporting Ukraine? And we find that a plurality of people in China and Russia say the main reason that the U.S. is supporting Ukraine is, quote, to defend Western dominance, to defend Western dominance. This is about hegemony, about imperialism. And in China, 45% of people said that. In Russia, 38% of people said that. And that's by far the, the most popular answer, the plurality of people. Now, in, in, by the way, in the U.S., only 36% of people actually believe that. That is a plurality of people, but it shows how little that is. Only 36%. Despite the constant media propaganda, only one-third of people in the U.S. think that the U.S. is supporting Ukraine because of so-called democracy. And only 20% in Britain believe that. And only 16% in the EU said believe that. So despite the billions and billions and billions of dollars spent on media propaganda, it doesn't actually convince a lot of people. Now, here's the next part of the study asking, what do you think is the main reason that Europe is supporting Ukraine? And Again, a plurality of people in Russia and China say to defend Western dominance. 46% of people in Russia and 40% of people in China. And only 23% of people in the U.S. think that Europe is defending democracy. Only 20% of people in Britain think Europe is defending democracy. And only 14% of people in the EU think that Europe is supporting Ukraine to defend democracy. So it shows once again that they know, the vast majority of people know that this media propaganda about so-called democracy in Ukraine is just BS. It's propaganda. It's not true. According to a study done by a Western government-funded think tank. Now, there are also, there's another question in here in the study that shows the impact of this Western media propaganda where it actually does convince people to that what Western, what Western governments want them to think. And here, this is an interesting question asking if you think the current proxy war in Ukraine, does it make you think that Russia is stronger or weaker than you previously thought? And we see uh, once again that the West is completely on the opposite side of what people in the global South think, at least in China and India, which again are nearly three billion people together which is over one third of the global population. Now, in India, over 60% of people now see Russia as stronger than they had seen Russia before this new phase of the, the proxy war in Ukraine began when Russia sent its troops in in February 2022. And in Turkey, over 40% of people see Russia as stronger and over 20% say that Russia was and still is strong. In China, about 40% of people see Russia as stronger and nearly 40% already saw Russia as strong and it still is strong. That's even more than in Russia itself, by the way. So that, that shows that the vast majority of people in the global south, they now see Russia as stronger than it was. They, they see it stronger now than they thought it was before this new phase of the this Ukraine proxy war. And in the, in the West, it's the exact opposite. 
a plurality of people see Russia as weaker because of the constant Western media propaganda convincing them that U Ukraine is going to win the war tomorrow. It's going to win the war tomorrow. All we have to do is send, is send missiles and tanks and planes and nuclear weapons is next. They just keep escalating and escalating. But it shows once again that the West is out of touch. Now, for me, I think this is the most interesting question in this study. And this is about the rise of multipolarity. And the, the study from the European Council on Foreign Relations admits that the world has been dominated by a system of, quote, American global supremacy. So I like that word because it's much more accurate than dominance. It's hegemony, it's imperialism, it's supremacy, just as white supremacists are racist extremists who think they should dominate the world. U.S. supremacists, they think that the U.S. is the greatest country ever. They are extremists. They are chauvinists. They are racist. They are imperialists who think the U.S. should continue dominating the entire world until the end of human history. So that's a much better way of describing it. Now, in Europe and the United States, the prevailing view is that instead of a multipolar world, the world is going to become a bipolar world and it's going to become a new Cold War between a U.S.-led bloc and a China-led bloc. And here are the very interesting responses. A plurality of people in Russia and China think that the world is going to become multipolar, whereas a plurality of people who answered, I mean, many people in the U.S. and Britain and Europe, they didn't even know. They had no answer. So we should keep in mind that in many of these responses, a large number of people have no response. But among those who responded, a plurality of people in the U.S., Britain, and the EU, they see a bipolar world as more likely, whereas a plurality of people in Russia and China see multipolarity as coming very soon. And the way that the European Council on Foreign Relations puts it is, quote, most people in major non-Western countries, such as China, India, Turkey, and Russia, predict the West will soon just will soon be just one global pole among several. That is a multipolar world. The West is stop is not going to be the imperial hegemon that dominates the entire world like it has been for hundreds of years since the rise of European colonialism. They say the West may still be the strongest party, but it will not be hegemonic. And once again, that is their word. They admit, they use the word hegemonic. And this is a European government-funded, European parliament-funded elite think tank admitting that the West has been hegemonic. And it, they, they didn't use the word imperialist, but I would say imperialism. That this is a system of imperialism. What we're seeing is a fundamental crisis within the imperialist world system. They know that the most popular view in Russia and China is to expect a more even distribution of global power among multiple countries, namely for multipolarity to emerge. I've been saying this nonstop constantly for a long time now. And here we have one of the most elite European think tanks admitting it. So I think that's the, that's a good note to end on. I mean, there's there's other interesting stuff in here in terms of perceptions of India and Turkey rising as independent powers. But I'll just conclude looking at a final few lines. This is the conclusion of this study. 
They talk about a paradox of Western unity and global disunity. So they point out that while the West has been more and more unified under U.S. hegemony, the rest of the world is challenging Western hegemony. So Europe is being subordinated to U.S. imperialism, but the global South is freeing itself from U.S. hegemony. And they note that the war, the proxy war in Ukraine confirmed the renewed centrality of North American power to Europe. That is, they're acknowledging that the U.S. is dominating Europe. And they say that the West may be more consolidated now, but it is not necessarily more influential in global politics. The paradox is that this newfound unity is coinciding with the emergence of a post-Western world. The West has not disintegrated, but its consolidation has come at a moment when other powers will not do simply as it wishes. So it's, the, again, the global South was colonized for hundreds of years by the European colonialist powers. And then there was a the period of neo-colonialism. And now countries in the global South will simply not do what the West wishes them to do. This is, again, an, an elite European think tank admitting that fact. The report notes, quote, our polling shows that many in the West see the coming international order as the return of a Cold War type bipolarity between West and East. Of course, they portray this as so-called democracy and authoritarianism. But once again, polls show that the vast majority of people in China see their countries democratic and uh, the majority of people in the U.S. don't see their country as democratic. So it's a ridiculous framing. But in this con context, India and Turkey are swing states. But the report acknowledges, quote, people in those countries, that is in the global south or not in the west, they see themselves very differently as emerging great powers that may side with the west on some issues, but not on others. Even when the emerging powers agree with the west, they will often maintain good relations with Russia and China. This is what Brazil is currently doing. They point out President Lula da Silva is, is, a, is calling for peace in Ukraine, refusing to send weapons to Russia, opposing pressure by the West. And this elite European think tank admits, quote, in our view, the West would be well advised to treat India, Turkey, Brazil, and other comparable powers as new sovereign states of world history rather than as objects to be dragooned into the right side of history. So once again, it shows this neo-colonial arrogance is still there. It's talking about the so-called right side of history. Where were they when the U.S. invaded Iraq and Afghanistan and the war in Libya and the war in Syria? I mean, of course, they supported the European Council of Foreign Relations supported all of those wars. They have always been on the wrong side of history. And now they arrogantly claim that the global south is on the, on the wrong side of history and that they're on the right side of history. So it shows this arrogant mentality is still deeply embedded within the European ruling class. They cannot let it go. But it admits reluctantly that as a matter of practicality, the West has to admit that India, Turkey, Brazil, other countries in the global south are sovereign states. They are no longer Western colonies and they can't continue to treat them like that or they're going to continue to lose Western dominance more and more. And finally, this study concludes that even if there's a miracle, I mean, they don't say this part, but even if somehow Ukraine 
wins this proxy war against Russia, which is not going to happen. But even if there's some kind of miracle, they admit, quote, it is highly unlikely to restore a U.S. global U.S. led global liberal order. So once again, they admit that this is a U.S. led unipolar imperialist hegemonic order. And they say that instead, the West will have to live as one pole of a multipolar world. That is the point to take away from this, that the world is becoming increasingly multipolar. Western hegemony is on the decline and the desperate attempt by U.S. led imperialism to try to save it is futile. They need to accept that colonialism is done. They can't bring back colonialism. And now the elites in European government funded think tanks are admitting that fact.